Welcome everyone to JCB Art Studios Season 5. My name is Joanna, and for first-time listeners, because I know they're first-time listeners, because I'm seeing the, the static, the, the static, not static, the analytics, I'm the author of The Unraveling and Dealer's Child, and Spy Girls is coming out September 30th, yes. So a little, little housekeeping, little announcement. And our guest, our our guest has to listen through all this. Um, two podcasts are left before I take a little three week break in July. I'll trust me, I'll still be working. Um, I've got, and that's because I'm going to be launching a writer reader magazine, August thirty first. It is called Sam, and that's an acronym. And uh, this is. Isn't, I can tell you what this isn't. It's not a magazine for writers talking about writing. This is a magazine for writers, for readers, for motorcycle enthusiasts, for artists. All right. It'll have short stories. Um, it will feature excerpts from the podcast that I'm recording. Um, I hope to uh, feature an author, mystery, thriller, romance, horror, nonfiction authors. In Sam, in Sam Magazine. Okay. So I will have more about that. Now today, today, I have romance author, Sarah Desai. Did I say that right, Sarah? Desai. Desai. You know, I asked her the proper pronunciation about her character. So you can tell where my head it was, right? Sarah Desai. Thank you, Sarah. Um, a little about Sarah. She has been a lawyer radio DJ, marathon runner, historian, bouncer, that's cool, bouncer and librarian. She wrote her first novel when she was three years old. That's even more cool. And she says she has greatly improved. And I would say so, giving what I'm going to tell you more about Sarah. She writes diverse romantic comedy books. And they have um, appeared in Entertainment Weekly, People, Oprah Magazine, Marie Claire, Pop Sugar, Bustle, BuzzFeed, Publishers Weekly, USA Today, everywhere. Okay. And Sarah lives on Vancouver Island mm -hmm. with her husband, her kids, and an assortment of forest creatures who think they are pets. When not laughing at her own jokes, Sarah can be found eating nachos. And today we're going to talk about her latest romance novel, To Have and To Heist. Sarah, welcome. And I have to ask, are you a fan of cilantro? <laughs> yes, I am. Definitely. Okay. Because okay. <gasps> there are two camps. You either love it or you don't. And that's I'm what... on the love it camp. Yeah, me too. Me too. Okay. Okay, so Sarah, we are going to bounce back and forth between your novel, The Singles Table, which USA Today said was one of its five books not to miss. And then we'll talk about To Have and To Heist. Now, I saw a review from a Goodreads reviewer. It was, this book is a hilarious, action-packed rom-com with an Ocean's Eleven meets Wedding Planner premise. 
that you won't want to miss. It has a great cover, Sarah. And can you give us a teaser, give us a little summary of what To Have and To Heist is about? Uh, Well, it's about um, a group of misfit millennials who are struggling to make ends meet. And um, the main character, Simi, uh, has a best friend that she's had from childhood. And her friend winds up being framed um, for the theft of a necklace from a museum. And um, Simi encounters... um, a sort of mysterious, he's like Han Solo, uh, Mal from Firefly, kind of roguish guy who says that he can help her get her friend exonerated. Um, all they have to do is steal the ne- necklace from uh, quite, I don't want to give anything away, from a dubious character. And so somehow she gets involved in this heist and puts together um, a very eclectic crew of people from her life so her uber driver and a guy that her parents tried to set her up with and you know she collects these people together and they all have some um, reason why that they they want to get the reward money for this so they come together and they do a heist with absolutely no experience and yeah and so the book is about that and but also her relationship with this uh, roguish character your books from what I've been reading, I think of fun. I think of laughs. I was checking out a book trailer on your website, and I'm I <laughs> literally I was I had brought my mocha to my lips, and I'm watching the book trailer on my second monitor. Okay, and it shows how I can't remember which book it was, but the female lead, her father. You know, just how you had set it up you find out that her father sets up uh, dates for her, like 10 dates. So she gets married, uh, 10 blind dates. And I was like, oh God. <laughs> I just, you know? So you go for, do you, I don't want to say that you go for fun, but for you, it has to be fun. Like for any author, it has to be fun. But is that what you you aim? Do you aim for humor? Do you what 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 do you want when you write your novels? I yeah, I, I'm looking to entertain. I love the comedy element. I like taking ordinary situations and finding the fun in them. So that book was the Marriage Game. That was the first book in my Marriage Game series, and um, I had so much fun setting up these ten blind dates. Uh, for my character coming up with interesting individuals, um, little snippets of people that I'd met in my life going on. Um, And she, uh, she winds up in a situation where uh, she and the hero wind up thinking that they both are supposed to have this office. And so he agrees to go with her on these blind dates um, that she's doing for her father, who's, who's desperate to get her married. Um, he offers to go because he's worried that, you know, she's meeting all these strangers. And um, if she gets married at the end, then he gets the office. Um, so they make a bet about it. But along the way, he falls in love with her. Um, and uh, but it it was so much fun doing that. And that's what I really enjoy, um, adding that comedy element to the romance. Good, good, good. Because I, I so think we need it. The marriage game. The book 
before your most current one was one of Oprah's Oprah Magazine's most anticipated romance of 2020. I was wondering, did you feel any pressure or did you sometimes see, I know when I write a book, I'm always thinking this next book has to be as good as or better. That's just me. So I was wondering, do you have you ever felt any pressure or did you feel any pressure when it came to writing to have and to heist? Um, so that that book was the singles table. Um, and to have enticed was so I had done three rom coms before the marriage game series. Um, so that was the marriage game, the dating plan, and the singles table. And then the to have and to heist was um, is it, it's it's very different because it's still got the rom com um, part, but now I've added a mystery element. So so for me, the big the big concern was adding this extra mystery element to what you know was you know my readers really enjoyed the rom- the diverse um, rom com stories, and I just I was worried are they going to enjoy the mystery element as well? True. So that for me was you know the the biggest challenge. That's true. Oh, okay, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, okay. Now, Simi Chopra your heroine in To Have and To Heist. I, God, I, I like her. <laughs> I like her. Um, I just have a few arrows here. If I could read just a few, I pulled out a few um, paragraphs from, I think it's, the, it's just, it's like from the first chapter, you know, um, and Simi, she's, I don't want to give it away. She's in a situation and there's, it's an ambulance attendant, isn't it? Like a first responder yes. is there. Yeah. yeah. And he's quite attractive. And, uh, you know, Simi, in her point of view, she, she says, maybe he liked curvy South Asian girls with long, matted dark brown hair and a little extra lip fuzz because they hadn't had time for the morning groom. Or maybe he was just a Bears fan. And I thought, Oh, good. Someone I can relate to. <laughs> okay. Like I'm not, I'm not South Asian, but I just thought somebody who's not statuesque and a model, like there's nothing wrong with being statuesque and a model. That's just not who I am at five, four on a good day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, and then just there's different things. Uh, for example, you know, you get a sense of her background. Respect was the guiding principle of my family. Respect for parents, respect for aunties, respect for elders, with respect drilled into me from birth. I couldn't bring myself to use the S word when it came to describing describing the intimate relations of two seniors. Now, that's a good, there's a teaser for you, okay? <laughs> and uh, it's just... It is funny, you know, and uh, <laughs> okay, can I, do you have a second? I'd love to read this last one. <laughs> okay. Okay. So the listeners know, I, I think you can tell Simi walks into two seniors. Okay. And this first responder is asking her what had happened. And she, she's, she's having a hard time with the S word. 
So she finally goes, okay, fine, sex. I said quickly, they were having sex on the couch, naked, curtains tied, curtain ties were involved in a certain curtain rod. I also saw a can of whipped cream, which I really put back in the fridge so it doesn't spoil. That cracked me up. I leaned in close, lowered my voice into conspiratorial whisper. I didn't know that position was possible after the age of 40. The dude really knew his stuff. I guess that makes sense if you've been doing it for 80 plus years, minus maybe 15 or so. Of course, I can only guess when he lost his virginity. <laughs> I didn't have sex for the first time until I was 20. <laughs> this, oh God, this girl. His eyes glazed over a telltale sign that I'd overshared. Name, he asked. Semi Chopra, currently single. I meant his name. And I just, I did. I cracked up. And thank you. Thank you. You know, it's a gift to make people laugh, you know? So thinking of Simi, what would you say is her vulnerability and her superpower? I think her vulnerability is that she was the the only girl in a family with three um, boys and she was, and her, her, um, her brothers were very loud and rambunctious and her parents had to spend all their time looking after them, taking them to sports games. And so she was always overlooked. Yeah. And so that her vulnerability is right there being, you know, the, the always trying to be good and quiet and not get in the way so that the boys could be dealt with, but, you know, feeling that she was left out, feeling that, she wanted somebody to see her. Yeah. You know? So that's where I think she's vulnerable. And I think her superpower is, it sort of comes from that in being able to handle any situation to, to, you know, keep moving on when things become very difficult. You know, there's, she tells uh, later on in the book, how um, there was one time that the, the family was, was on a road trip for a sports game and they stopped to go to the washroom and they all piled into the car and left her behind. Um, they, you know, and because the boys were so loud and nobody noticed, and it was, you know, several hours before they came back for her, you know, and so she just got a book and she sat there and waited for them to come back. And, and, you know, it, it, she internalized the pain of that, but it she also made her stronger. And so I don't think a person who didn't have that kind of strength could have done this crazy heist that yeah. she winds up doing. Very true. Very true. Because I know it's interesting because I I remember there was a discussion in, I was in Simon Fraser's writer's studio, their program. And so there's a, a wide range of writers in this program. And myself and another writer, you know, the other writer had written a scene where the children, because he writes YA, go off on this adventure. And some of the younger writers in the group were saying, why aren't they checking in with their parents? They should have a cell phone. Why aren't they checking in? And it was just, it was, I think a couple of us explaining, it was just our generation. You know, we were told you come home when the lights turn on, right? You know? Yeah. And so I'm just thinking my husband was left behind. <laughs> on a family trip like stuff happens right? and, I, and I guess maybe now nowadays they may be people may be horrified but 
like your character, he was one of seven kids, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what is it that you want to see with all your female heroines? Like, wh- what do you want them to be? I want them to be real, and but I want them to be strong. I want readers to to look at my heroines and say, you know, she's having a rough time or she had a rough time. And yet she had the strength to go on. She had the strength to um, find somebody and overcome, you know, all her um, internal issues to embrace love. Usually, you know, my, my characters are starting off where they're not looking for love. They've given up on love or they don't love themselves enough to accept love from somebody else. So, um, you know, so I hope that, that the readers read them and, and see strong women, Yeah. but, but, but not, you know, not superheroes, right? Like real women, real women finding strength in themselves to move on. And I'm always very careful not to have, um, the men be the solution to their problem, right? It's not the man swooping in and saying, you know, you're wonderful and, you know, all your problems are solved. No, it's over the course of the book. It's it's always the woman's journey um, to find herself and find strength in herself to be able to accept love from somebody else. But it's always her journey of self-discovery and her journey of um, of becoming. Excellent. I really like that. I really like that. Good, good. So that actually kind of leads into my next question where... I used to, well, I am now, like I'm I'm with the Vancouver Island chapter, but back in, oh God, it was 1999, 2000, I belonged to the Romance Writers of America, the Vancouver Island chapter. And I think romance novels were different during that time. And I like that you're saying your heroine is finding the solution and is making her own path. And I'm wondering, have you noticed a change in romance novels, let's say, even the last 10 years? Have you noticed any any change or, yeah? Um, I've definitely noticed a change in the the heroes because, um, like, I started writing about 10 or 11 years ago, and I actually wrote under a different pen name. So I've got... Um, about 10 or 15 books under a different pen name and they're a lot more spicy and <laughs> yeah yeah but but you know but and at that time it was all the man chest covers and the very alpha males um and and now I think what we're seeing with with the heroes definitely is people are more interested in like the cinnamon roll type hero um people who, men who are um more giving and more flawed and softer and more supportive. And you can even see that on the covers of romance novels, because you don't see, you know, these really alpha males on the covers that that they've all gone to sort of more of the the, um, illustrated covers. And if you look at the men on the covers, they're not all, you know, pumped up on steroids, yeah. you know, that they might have like a little slumped in the shoulders or they're wearing, you know, a baggy shirt. Um, and so they have really changed, I think, yeah. um, over over the last 10 years. And maybe that's what 
readers are looking for is more realism in in the the um the male characters and you know certainly it makes it easier for the female characters to go on that journey when they're not being dominated by the male characters now i'm not saying there's not a whole genre uh, you know, lots of books out there with the alpha males. It's still one of the most popular tropes, like the billionaires and the bikers yeah. and still hugely popular, but a lot of, um, but there's now space, Good. For, you know, your, your beta heroes. Good, good, good. <laughs> uh, good. Oh, that's good to hear. Good. Okay. So I want to bounce back to your book, The Singles Table. Now, I am going to ask you, Sona Lee Dev, is that how I pronounce her name? Sonali. Sonali, okay. Sonali Dev, another respected, popular and prolific author, wrote, I love this book. All those years when I read romance novels with no options, for seeing myself, for seeing my Desi self on the pages. This was the book I dreamed of. That hit me. And uh, that that is such a, that is beautiful. And you and her, I understand, uh, participated in an event together. Mm-hmm. We did, yeah. What was that like? And um, did you talk about um uh like desi like wanting to wanting that representation did i was just wondering how was that meeting oh she um helped me on the like on the release day of that book you know she we she she um she did the um the podcast with me um, and I, it was very flattering for me because she was one of the first authors to um, become successful writing books about South Asian characters. So for her to say that to me, I mean, that was so flattering because really I felt it was the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> she was the inspiration for me. Um, it, she, her books are wonderful and, uh, you know, really celebrate South Asian culture and South Asian characters and are very true um, to the culture. and. Um, and yeah, we, so we talked about that. We talked about South Asian representation in um, in literature and in uh, particularly in romance literature. Um, but really, she's the person who paved the way for the rest of us. Good. Okay, good. You know, I, I write thrillers, but there have been times when, and this happened to me just this week, where I saw an it was an awful crime take place. It was broadcasted on the local news. And um, having worked at the prosecutor's office, you know, there's a, a, there's a part of me that, um, like, for example, when I saw this news report, there have been about three times when I have thought, can I continue writing thriller novels when I know so much of the not so much of this, but true events really do happen. Okay. And I know this is, a, this is kind of getting very heavy here. Um, and, you know, I've had other authors say, you know, well, you just, you know, you kind of buck up or you don't write thrillers, right? Um, I think now more than ever, we need romance novels. 
your novel was such a pleasure. Like what I what I received, it was such a pleasure pleasure to read. Um, what do you think romance novels provide for readers? I think they definitely provide an escape because you know you you can step out of your world and and it, they one of the, the the nicest things about picking up a romance novel is that you know it's going to have a happy ending right if they must if they do not have a happily ever after at the end then it's not a romance novel yeah. they can't have you know happy for now or you know you think maybe in the future they'll get together no if it doesn't have that happily forever after ending, then it's not romance. And so any reader who picks it up knows that they will go on a journey with these characters, but it will turn out in the end um, to be happy. And so I think that that really gives the reader something. It, it, it's, it, it doesn't spoil the ending, no. you know, that you know how it's going to end. But I think there's a comfort in that. In, yeah. in knowing that that these you're going to go on this wonderful journey and there's going to be ups and downs and they're going to wind up fighting and hating each other but in the end they'll wind up together yeah and I, I you know for me that that's when I'm you know feeling down or feeling stressed I I, I read a lot <laughs> and, yeah. and I'll, I'll always turn to romance because yeah. it just it makes me feel better to to read that and to know how it's going to end and to, to know that you get that little dopamine hit that at the end of it because it's going to be happy. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's it's interesting the different novels because I know with writing thrillers there are there's like a class of novels where I've I've seen some that have been incredibly popular, but if I if I don't get a sense of hope at the end, like for me. Like if you have a female heroine and a male heroine, and if they don't ever get together, but there's hope, I'm good. But I, I some of the popular novels I've read, which I don't dare name who, <laughs> name which ones they are, but if there's no hope at the end for the two characters, I'm not into it. You know, I've I've got to have some I've got to have some hope when I reach that end of that story. Right? Okay. Okay. Now, I think humor is difficult to write. Uh, and I'm I'm curious if you think humor is difficult to write. I mean, my mindset is like I don't think you can go into writing humor with the idea of I'm going to make this funny or I'm going to set up this scene to make it funny. And Please correct me if I'm wrong. So you are funny. Your books are I with what I read. It's funny. I it's relatable. It makes me laugh. So do you do you go in with just thinking your characters are real and drawing upon your own experiences? Uh yeah, I think that would probably it. I don't I don't plan. I'm not a plotter. I'm yeah. I'm a pantser. And so, you know, once I know my characters, um, and then I can put them in different situations, and you know, I'll know it'll turn out, you know, to be funny. But I never plan, you know, the comedy or anything. It just sort of happens that way. Good, good. And I like sarcasm too. Like there's yeah. hints of it. <laughs> there's hints of it, and it, it's it's great to read, you know, <laughs> right? So, what is the feedback being from your readers? 
Like, I'm, I'm always curious about that. Um, well, this book isn't out yet. It's yeah. not out till July 18th. Um, but um, my readers seem to have liked the other three books. They like the comedy. Um, what was really heartwarming to me was to get a lot of messages from South Asian readers who um, hadn't discovered South Asian uh, romances before um, or you know, who, who just picked up my book and had seen themselves in it. And um, th- they were always messaging me to just to let me know how much it meant or that the families I described in the books were like their families or their aunties or like their aunties. Um, and people, I um, the first two books, I had a lot of food in the book. <laughs> and so I had readers messaging me to tell me, oh, I tried this recipe or I had never been to an Indian restaurant before. And I went because the food sounded so delicious in your book. And that was wonderful to me to open up that part of the culture to people that maybe hadn't experienced it. Well, it's also giving them a voice, Mm -hmm. I think, right? And I saw that I couldn't help it. The motorcycle illustrator in me, I had to, I was on your website. Your husband has a Ducati a Ducati bike. So do you ride? Do you like riding? He actually has three motorcycles and the Ducati was the last one. No. Yeah. Anyway, um, I put that book, that bike in the dating plan because that is the most uncomfortable bike to ride. I don't have my own bike, but I ride pillion with him. Um, and he's always had motorcycles. So we've been riding a long time. But nothing has been more uncomfortable than that bike. It is not really? made. It is not made for a pillion rider. And when I went on the uh, website, they have these pictures of these gorgeous women perched on the back, no helmet, of course. Yeah. Their hair is blowing the wind, and you wouldn't know. But oh, so uncomfortable. And so I thought, oh, in my, in the book, she's got to ride on the back of that bike, and she's going to suffer. Yeah. And so that was really, that was really fun. And I had the experience of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I also had, um, under my other pen name, I wrote a whole series of motorcycle romance um, books. And in those books, I, um, I always used whichever bike he was riding at the time and would write the scenes, you know, based on those bikes. So that was always fun to do. Good. Good. I have a scooter. I know it's not a motorcycle, <laughs> but after doing 30 motorcycle illustrations, it was bound to happen. <laughs> okay. So I have a scooter. Yeah. Okay. I have a few last little minute, last questions here. So what do you do to celebrate a marathon edit? Um, I have two options here. Would you choose wine or would you choose cream puffs? Oh, can I have both? Yeah. <laughs> because usually that's what I do. Actually, I break out the champagne and then we get cake. So yeah, yeah. yeah. You have to do something. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Okay. So what would be the smallest? I say the smallest thing, feedback um, that has happened that has made you, you know, do a fist pump in the air. Uh, you know, I can think of just small things that aren't even related to money that just makes you go, yes, with respect to writing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, 
I think was, um, I went to save on with my mom and they had one of my books there on the shelf and she walked past and then I said, look, mom, that's my book. And she picked it up and started to cry. Oh, so that, Uh yeah. And then she bought it and I said, you don't have to buy it. mom. I can give you books. And she goes, no, I want to be able to buy my daughter's book in the store. So that that really touched me. (laughs) That's hitting hard. Yeah. Okay. Well then I'm wondering if that ties into your proudest moment as an author, or is there another moment that you just was a very proud moment for you? Um, I think, I think that was, that was it because my mom had been my, always my biggest supporter of my writing. Even when I was little, you know, I'd enter these story contests and she would read them for me and, um, yeah, to, you know, to be able to call her up and say, you know, what first when I got an agent and then when I got my first book contract and she was just so happy for me. So yeah, that was it. My mom was my biggest supporter too. Um, She's not with us anymore. She passed in 2018, but I'll never forget. I used to write as a teenager. Okay. Um, My mom had this manual typewriter and I'd sit there and I'd plunk at this manual typewriter and uh, I did rewrites. I mean, I wrote the whole thing out by hand and then I typed it. Right. And uh, I remember I took a little break and I guess it was when I was around 25, I told her I'm going to write again. I'm going to start writing again. And she went down at that time to our local Goodwill. And she came to my door that afternoon and she knocked and she goes, I've got something for you. And I said, well, what do you have? And she's holding this plastic bag and she goes to make you a better writer. And I open it and there are all these Harlequin romances she bought, you know, and I just, (laughs) it just, I will never forget that moment. Right. And it just did. Yeah. So when you said, you know, your mom walking past your book, God, that hit me. (laughs) That hit me. Okay. So Sarah, anything you'd like to add? It's been a real pleasure being able to interview you. Uh, No, it's been a pleasure to be here and to have a chance to chat about my books, especially with somebody local. So that's really nice. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. So I will have your website in the show notes. Are you on social media? Like what? Yeah. People. Yeah. Um, my main platform is Instagram, but I'm also on Twitter, Facebook, and I've just started on TikTok. <laughs> okay. Okay. But that one's a bit of a challenge for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's that whole video thing. I know yeah. I kind of started on TikTok and then I stopped and it was just like, who wants to see a video of me? <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you want to listen to more podcasts, I you guys are finding them. I mean, I'm seeing podcasts that I recorded six months ago, um, have been listened to, for example, yesterday or the day before. Uh, you can subscribe to my newsletter at joannavanderflip.com. And that is where I will have more information about Sam Magazine and subscriptions. Sarah, thank you. Have a good day. Thank you very much.